1: Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova.
2: I'm Mats Vilander. I'm Stan
3: Wawrinka. I'm
2: Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray.
1: And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So we sit where we've been sitting all week, on a green picnic table, on a piece of grass with the sun setting. Blue skies still up above. It is now... Just short of nine o'clock in the evening on the final day of Wimbledon, and the moon is rising over Matt's head. Uh, he can't see that, but I can. Um, and we have just had one of the most extraordinary days of sport in history, I would suggest, Catherine Whitaker, because not only have we just had uh, Novak Djokovic win the first ever singles 12 all tiebreak in the men's singles final. Uh, to win his 16th Grand Slam title. He's done so from two match points down and almost simultaneously England have won the World Cup cricket for the first time. Um...
3: (laughs) In, in a super over final, in the final ball of a super over. Yeah.
1: Well, we were furiously googling what one of those was, uh, as were just about everybody in the country, it seemed. Um, but yes, that that kind of is the is the short version of what has happened today, and we've got a lot of blanks to fill in because it has been exhausting, exhilarating. Uh, I don't really know where to start. Um, take it away. <laughs>
3: Well, it feels like all those things that you described, the sun setting and the moon rising and the sort of natural order of the universe shouldn't be happening. It feels like the natural world should be recognising the, <laughs> the earth-shattering, seismic sporting events that took place today. It feels like things shouldn't be normal.
1: There should be some sort of storm just yeah, developing in the like, distance.
3: It feels impolite and and... It's not right.
1: It should be hailing and sunny and snowing and thunderstorm. Something
3: extraordinary should be happening it all should be in a film yeah the weather would be extraordinary to reflect
1: okay instead it's just a little bit
3: chilly <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> we've all wrapped up
3: and the fact by the way it's i can see now you've referenced the moon and i've turned around to look at it it's a full moon which means none of us will sleep well tonight oh well I and mean, we'll we won't know why that is will that have the reverse with, effect with me then
1: because i've not been sleeping well all because two weeks
3: overdose of adrenaline okay or, yes it's the full moon but
1: it's all going to be dreadful we have so this this men's singles final which has been won 7-6 1-6 7-6 what was the fourth set score? 6-4 6-4 and then 13-12 to Djokovic Um, it's a little bit like the Nadal match of a couple of nights ago it's one of those that I think will be remembered for the end and the, the the dramatic turning points twists and Astonishing quality of play and just great drama. uh, More than it will for its quality of stroke play, uh, certainly early on. Because I was, I thought it was a really slightly weird atmosphere for the first three and a half sets. Um, It didn't feel like the crowd were that into it. I think probably I haven't looked at all the statistics, but maybe that's because it was there wasn't there weren't as many winners as you might normally get. Um, we obviously had a, a tiebreak first set, which Federer should have won that set, shouldn't he? Is that oh, fair? He was should
2: by won, far... Won the first three. I think he probably should have won the first four sets. If, I know that's not possible to win four <laughs> sets in a row, but he was the better player in all of those four sets. It was one of those matches which started out actually feeling quite familiar to me in terms of Federer having to play at such a high level, which he was doing. He was playing really well, Federer, to kind of live with Djokovic because Djokovic maybe not playing his absolute best but was playing his best in the right moments and forcing Federer to play well and yet, so it started as something familiar and yet it turned into something completely historic and unique that we've never seen before you know, a final set tie break in the Wimbledon final at 12-all and with, with someone saving match points which hadn't been done in, in the Wimbledon final for about 70 years I think um... So in that sense, it was it was extraordinary the way the match sort of changed from being something that we could recognise and understand to something that is very difficult to process just a few hours after it's all happened.
3: Yeah, yeah we're doing our best, <laughs> but this it feels like a... I, I rarely feel sort of anxious before a podcast because it's just sort of letting the thoughts in your head tumble out into a microphone but I don't have thoughts in my head really well, about
1: it all other the, than that the sun shouldn't be setting and <laughs> the moon shouldn't be rising the uh, the, the first set though w- I can't exactly remember what happened in the tie break, but I remember Federer being up He choked in the he, tie break he was, he was down and then he was up
2: at yeah. I think 4-3 5-3, he, he was 5-3 three three. up and
1: Djokovic won four points in a row yeah. and it did, it did feel like a bit of a choke I mean I'm, I'm always sort of wary of just labelling something a choke because your opponent is always part of that
3: It was on his racket though and look, that is that is a lot of what makes Djokovic so brilliant. We've seen it almost every single match he's played this tournament. He makes his opponents choke because of the pressure. It's the relentless Smothers pressure. He, he extracts chokes from people. It might not be the most glamorous way of winning, but it boy, is it effective. And yeah, I'll, I'll take 16 Grand Slam titles <sighs> in, in, with whatever level of glamour they, they come with. But yeah, I, I think... I think it was a choke. I think the third set tiebreak also was, was a bit of a choke from Federer.
2: And the other thing about Djokovic is he's, he's so good at getting the style of play and match that he wants. We were all on our WhatsApp group saying, why is Federer getting involved in such long rallies with Djokovic? He needs to shorten these rallies. But I think Federer maybe could have done more. I think after the first three sets, he'd only serve and volleyed about five times in the match. But a lot of that, a lot of the fact that there were long rallies was down to Djokovic with his his depth. He, he neutralises Federer's ability to play with such freedom because it's always on his feet and he's scrambling and hitting with depth and length and pace and he's, he's so good at neutralising Federer's weapons.
3: But that's once he's into the rally, I, I, I could see why he wasn't able to to deploy the variety and approach to that. I didn't understand why he wasn't serving volleying more. I
2: think he should have done it more. Because but that's
3: how you wrestle control.
2: But, but also, I think he sees serve and volley now as almost a bit of a surprise tactic more than the platform on which to win the match because Djokovic is so good at returning. He wasn't actually at his best returning today, but I think he would have locked in and started picking Federer off at the net if he'd done it loads. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, he, I think he, was,
3: he must have been fearful of mm. the Djokovic passing shots, but he talked a big game about not going into the match fearful. Because you've, you've lost. And, actually, and when I saw how he was playing, I thought, this is game over. I tried to retract my prediction um, <laughs> early on. I, when I saw that he was prepared to get drawn into those longer rallies and wasn't just... I found it very persuasive before the Federer and Adal match when the way you described your projection of Federer's mentality of just, I'm not going to win rallies, so I'm just not going to get into them. I assumed he would have the same...
1: Which he didn't do either. Cut and dry. I mean, he played long rallies against Nadal, but...
3: He did, and maybe know. that's what made him think, I can do that against And speed against of Djokovic. court is
1: probably part of it as well. Um, yeah. The feel out there. Um, but he... I, I still went... I'd gone Federer 4, um, and I was feeling pretty pretty good about that prediction throughout most of the match because I couldn't see him you know obviously he lost the first set but even though he could have won those first four sets I I thought sort of law of averages he probably will lose one Um, but Djokovic has not played his best tennis throughout Wimbledon until frankly he was two match points down and then you suddenly saw him bounce off the ropes and when he broke back in that in that fifth set you saw the real Djokovic come out of his shell but it wasn't, you know, we haven't seen it much this this one, and yet he's won it.
3: No, we hadn't seen it much in the in the final up until that yeah. point. It was bizarre. Neither of them were vocal at no. all. The crowd were flat. It was. It, I was looking at the scoreboard and thinking, why am I not? What? What's? Where's the disconnect here? It reminded. I was trying to think of a. Um, I was trying to think of a parallel for it and the only one I could think of excuse me for a moment going off on a total tangent was uh, I went to Iceland for for uh, my 30th birthday in hopes of seeing the Northern Lights and when you go to Iceland to see the Northern Lights you, you, it's basically a sort of coach tour you pile onto a coach they drop you off at a motorway service station in the middle of nowhere where there's no streetlights or anything and they make you sit there in minus 25 degrees until hopefully the northern lights emerge can't wait to go and so it's like 2 o'clock in the morning I'm absolutely freezing my arse off the door on the bus has come off so there is absolutely no respite. Oh my God. It turns out the motorway service station doesn't serve alcohol, it only serves hot chocolate. It's Looking all, forward to how she I mean, circles
1: this background.
3: It's, <laughs> it's not how I envisaged uh, ushering in my, uh, <laughs> my fourth decade. Uh, and uh, then this sort of really pale green haze, like really pale green haze, emerges in the sky. And everyone goes, oh, is, that, is that a bit of my imagining that? Is there a bit of green haze? And um, the deal is with these coach trips is if you don't see the Northern Lights, you get a refund. And the pale green haze was as good as it got. And we all piled back on, on the bus and I went up to the really irritating tour guide who'd been far too pumped for the whole experience <laughs> telling us that, oh, it's going to be fine that the door's broken. It's not It's, it's not fine. It's freezing. She, I said, have I, have I, What? do I get a refund for this? She goes, no, no, you, you saw the Northern Lights. And I was like, I really don't feel at all like I saw the Northern Lights. She's like, you did, you did. That's that pale green haze that you saw. That was the Northern Lights. And uh, now when people ask me, have you seen the Northern Lights? I don't know what to say because apparently I've been told that I have. That's how I felt after the first three sets. I'm looking at the scoreboard. I feel like the scoreboard is telling me I've seen a really brilliant match. I know in my heart, I haven't seen a really brilliant match.
1: I have, but I don't know how to follow that. No, that that was too good for us, Catherine. (laughs) It's too good for us. Um, Yes, well, I I know what you mean. And the. (laughs) Do you? We've all done that, haven't we? Um, So, uh, the second set was plain. I told you I was
3: anxious about the podcast. The second set was plain
1: weird, wasn't it? Oh, Oh, so weird. Novak Djokovic has never lost a set that one-sided against Roger Federer ever and they've played 59 sets against each other to that point. He he so went he just
2: went walkabout. He broke himself in the first game, which was strange because normally he's so good at recognizing when is the time to sort of hit the accelerator and that would have been the time having I mean, just won the first set which he didn't really deserve to win. And yet He played a terrible set. He couldn't find the
1: court. Well, it it was was, quite like Federer against Nadal the other night, wasn't it? It was a
2: more shocking version of that, I think, because... For Federer, it almost made sense to have a bit of, a bit of time off because we know that he's, he's older and it's difficult for him to sustain his level. But for Djokovic, it was like, what,
1: what are you doing? Where have you gone? I thought at that stage, this is best case scenario for Federer in mm. a way because, you know, he's just won a set. Um, he hasn't even been the one who's had to do the tactical yeah. tank and he's, and he's level at once at all. Um, so ev- this is the thing. Everything was pointing in, in Federer's way. And I think that that is, and we'll get on to it, uh, the press conference, etc. I think that that is why he is so devastated tonight. I think this is so crushing to him because it was all there. He had a better chance in this final than he had in either of the other two.
3: Oh, it, was, it was entirely on his racket. And I know that sports people have to talk a really good game about not having regrets and and all of that jive. But... I don't see how he can have anything but regrets about about today. As brilliant as he I mean, I'm full of admiration for a lot of what he did today, but let's be honest, he's, he, there he, are regrets to be had it. for Roger Federer. He, he blew, blew it,
1: really. and, and look, again, part of the reason he blew it is his opponent, but even so, Federer won 14 more points in the match than his opponent today, and he lost. Um and that's I I, I just I'm so reluctant to take credit away from Djokovic because he he, he's won the title again even when he wasn't playing his best Um, but for Federer to get himself in those sort of positions and am I right in thinking first of all he was 4-2 down in that set wasn't he in that fifth set
3: Federer was Yes. yes
1: and then he turned it around got back on serve and then when did he have the match points 8-7 8-7 8-7 eight, 8-7 seven. Eight, seven. he broke Did, and he, didn't he serve for the match as well well was yep. that when he that served was, that was that when was he served, he served. Okay. so he 15 broke 15 at,
2: he broke yep. at 7-all with a stunning forehand pass he just yes. sort of shipped the return back anticipated where Djokovic was going to hit it and passed him and that was the strange thing because throughout the match Federer was actually playing a lot of the big points quite well if you if you think about it that he he took his break points when he had them and he saved the break points when he had them but it was in the tie breaks where he fell to pieces and it was on his match points where the first match point he, he's serving at 8-7 40-15 misses the first serve Djokovic sort of jams him with a, with a forehand return and he goes wide And but then the second match point is the one where he will have regrets because he gets the first serve. He nailed
1: the first serve actually, and he 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 had a, a forehand, didn't he? And we we've just watched it back, and he just he went in on a wing and a prayer. It was really, a, it
2: was a kamikaze approach the, to the net. He, there was there was no need to come forward then, and Djokovic just picked him off um, to get back to Deuce, and then he eventually broke to make it eight all, and then Djokovic held to make it nine eight, and I was thinking. This could be done. I don't know how Federer holds serve after what's just gone on in the last five minutes. And to his credit, he did. And then he pushed it into another tiebreak, and again the same thing happened to him in the tiebreak. He his his backhand was in the it was his forehand in the first set tiebreak, and it was his backhand in the third and fifth set tiebreaks, which led him down.
3: I, I think if it hadn't been for the twelve-all tiebreak, brand shiny new this year, I'd have had Federer mm. in that match. But with that tiebreak looming. I know, I think it was Pat Cash on Five Live that said, law of averages, there is absolutely no way Federer loses three tie breaks in the same match. And Russell Fuller pointed out, you know, the two coin tosses that have gone previous have no bearing on the coin toss to come. And Pat said, yeah, but Federer doesn't lose three tie breaks in the same match. I just had no confidence in him winning a tie break. I thought the fact that he'd lost those two made him less likely to lose another I, one.
1: I personally, I don't think... I th- felt that the tie break the third one was the best chance he would have at that point because he was serving second this time um, and I kind of feel that Djokovic is hes the younger guy um, I think he'd have got the better of him eventually
3: Is this the backlash for 2009 <laughs> when Andy Roddick was serving second?
1: <laughs> yeah, it could be and, and in, in
2: 2009 if there'd been a tie break at 12 all maybe you would have backed Roddick and here if there hadn't been a tie break you might have backed Federer as we were saying but isn't it I mean just amazing how the US Open has never had a final set tie break in a final and, it? and that's at 6 all Wimbledon introduces one at 12 all and gets it in the first yeah, year. The
1: first final, oh, which it is—it's extraordinary. The first
2: Comparable. one they've ever had. I mean, how did Single. we feel about
1: it? Because
3: we had a super over and a 12 all tiebreak happening simultaneously. <laughs> yes, for the I, first time look, in. I have to say, I,
1: I was kind of. I think I actually think the the, the drama and the tennis in this one, uh, when it was around 12 all, was better than it was in Roddick against. Mm federer Definitely. back then because i i know that i was sort of waiting for that to end yeah. by then you know um and because and i think part of that is because the roddick federer match had been sensational up until you know for the first four sets that had been brilliant this wasn't this was this grew into the crescendo that it it became so actually you know i, I could have happily had more tennis but i really don't if 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 players are level up at 12 all, i'm quite happy to go to, to the tiebreaker oh point.
3: yeah I- I'm fine with it. I just I'm interested in the sliding door scenario mm, if if, yeah. if it wasn't there. I personally, by the way, don't think that talking about Federer choking or squandering opportunities, however you want to frame it detracts from Djokovic's victory at all because today was all about tension and stress and nerves. Those were the defining features. Seeing these Superhuman people doing superhuman things, but appearing so human while doing that, and and I really welcome that because I'm always banging on about relatability, aren't I? I find I, for me, that is an absolutely critical element in in investing in sports people.
1: That's as stressed as I've seen those two. I think absolutely, really and in, just
3: extraordinary that we've had this finals weekend. Seeing three of the greatest tennis players the greatest sports people of all time just absolutely overcome by stress Serena Williams Roger Federer Novak Djokovic and the fact that Djokovic was was able to overcome that just enough okay it was it was a squeak but Serena Williams and Roger Federer weren't able to overcome that so there are a few moments
1: out there that that are I I was trying to work out because I wasn't watching it on TV. I was, I was, I mean, in this incredibly privileged position of being 10 meters away from the court, court level, on the corner behind one of the one of the players, basically. And there was a moment when there was a a very close line call, uh, and Federer. it, It looked as though I think it looked as though Federer's shot was out and it was called out and he just sort of raised his arm you know he thought it was out um, but he raised his arm to challenge and the umpire didn't initially see it the crowd had gone wild because they thought it was a winner from Federer and then the umpires furiously trying to make people realise that it was called out and then Federer's like no I've challenged right and so then the Hawkeye replay replay comes and Djokovic doesn't realise that Federer has challenged he thinks he's put in a late challenge he didn't see the Mm. initial arm raise and I was watching Federer down the near end and he was getting really annoyed by by the fact that he was getting annoyed by Djokovic coming up to complain because he was like look I did challenge I did I did this you know it's not and it, and it wasn't Djokovic's fault he just didn't see it so he's thinking well what's going on here you know you've we have had all this and now you're letting him challenge and it turns out it's in so suddenly the whole place feels like it's conspiring against Djokovic again and the whole crowd goes absolutely wild um, and when When Federer did break, it's it's was it seven all? You said yeah. That forehand cross-court passing shot. I I thought for a minute we might have a crowd invasion because people were going so manic in the crowd. They were jumping out the seats, and I thought I don't think people can stay in the seats for much longer. (laughs) But uh,
3: Pat Cash was cramping in the commentary booth, wasn't he? Yeah. Medical timeout.
1: But that's definitely what I what I noticed. I I mean the tensions are high. I don't think these two. Pretend to be best friends. That's it like was they're, they're a perfectly... frosty
3: handshake after after a match like that, and frankly, we've never seen a match like that. But after a match like that, you you expect a warm embrace at the net, regardless of the relationship with the two players. I thought. I mean, I was I was a, I was aware that they're not best of mates, and Boris Becker, former coach of Djokovic, had said uh, on the BBC pre match there's no love lost between these two. You know, they're not disguising the fact that they're not best of mates. I was still expecting a real embrace just in recognition of two people having gone through something that nobody else can ever Mm. um, sympathise with or or understand, and there wasn't.
1: Symptomatic of how flawed Federer is by this one. I mean, his quotes in in this press conference afterwards... um, where he's trying to he's trying to sort of sum up his I mean it's it's very difficult it's devastating. this stuff isn't it um, and he's, <laughs> he said here um,
3: I'm oh no one last Who time to the ground to be in I can't handle it. Keep talking, David. It's all too
1: sad. Oh anyway, just to go with that announcement, Roger Federer said, I don't know what to feel right now. I just feel like it's such an incredible opportunity missed. I can't believe it. And then at the end... Um, he he was asked about his feelings today versus two thousand and eight. Obviously, the one against Nadal. He goes, "I'm the loser both times. That's the only similarity I see." Um, Last line of the press conference. Yeah, and mic drop. Oh. Off you go. Yeah.
3: I, I mean, side point. I love these losing press conference mic drops.
1: <laughs> yes, we had one from Serena Williams. I was yeah, so. I was going to
2: shout as him as he left the room Roger after after the 08 Wimbledon final you went and won the US Open <laughs> <laughs> and uh, look I think
3: oh, we might have given you a hug Matt that might have been exactly what he needed <laughs> that was my
2: moment I, I bo- bottled it um, but <clears throat> I do think a match like this is all part of the kind of legend of Roger Federer in a way I mean as someone who has won more than anyone else in the men's game, he's also suffered so many stinging, heartbreaking defeats. A lot of them on this court. You know, it's, he's obviously had a lot of triumph here, but he's he's also taken some really difficult defeats. The one against Nadal, the 2014 final against Djokovic in the fifth set. Now this one, well, he's is, had three against Djokovic total now. And he's had it two other times at the US Open where he's lost from match points up against Djokovic. He he seems to be a player who attracts these dramatic matches and a lot of the time he does come out as the loser and yet he has made an extraordinary career out of bouncing back from defeats but this has to be the most painful because of what he said that the fact that it was on his racket he 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 missed the opportunities today
0: hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite
1: Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life, and of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to HomeChef.com/Tennis. That's HomeChef.com/Tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right.
3: And in the bigger context, there are there are two ways to frame this. There are there is the he's 38 next month. How on earth can you hmm. envisage? a better opportunity for him to win a grand slam title than having too much points on your own serve but the other way is looking back to the Australian Open this year and the US Open last year and and the defeats that he suffered there respectively to Tsitsipas and and John Millman in that grueling physical fifth set defeat we had all i think adjusted our feelings about Roger Federer to think that if he's going to win matches he needs to do it in four sets unless it's somebody that unless it's against an opponent that themselves is going to win, wilt in the fifth set i think we'd all nobody was picking federer in five uh, in this match today. i think a lot of people thought it was going to five yeah, but I, those that I'm thought s- it was going to five assumed
1: that that would surprised be he got Djokovic's
3: favour I th- I th- I know it's so trite and I don't expect Roger Federer to be able to think this way right now. But I think this is incredibly positive for Roger Federer's prospects over the next year or so because he can win. He can win gruelling physical battles in five sets and, and before today... We would have doubted that.
2: And he's, he's closer to beating Djokovic over five sets now than he was a few years ago
1: yeah. when obviously they were both younger. But well, he was today. Sure. That Djokovic, wasn't, Djokovic has just won Wimbledon with not being at his best. <laughs> Let's not forget that.
3: Yeah, but maybe this is his new best. You know. Who? I
1: mean, really? Six months ago he won the Australian Open and he played some of the best tennis we've ever seen.
3: Yeah, I don't, I'm saying, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we. Maybe I'd, he I'd is supr- unable I'd to be, sustain that level. I'd,
1: I'd, I'd be surprised if you know if if we've seen the best of him. Uh, I, I I'd be surprised hmm. if we don't see him regain his absolute best again.
3: Um, I agree. I think he will have grand slams where he is at his absolute best again. However, I don't think we're ever going to get back to what are we looking at twenty sixteen, Djokovic when it was it was you just it was I always go back to that um, Monte Carlo match that he lost to Yuji Vesely which was I mean seismic him losing a match was absolutely but, seismic but, I don't think we're going to
1: get back but just like with Federer that. back during his domination Djokovic doesn't approach tennis like that anymore He he he's no. all about the this slams. he's all about peaking and he hasn't even played his best and he's still won the title and he's won five of the last six grand slams I mean, he's figured this out to absolute perfection. It was it was the match today that made me made me read. i done think that right? Is that or is it yeah. three three of the last four? No, no. He's won. How many four, have you won? four, four of the for last, last five. five? Four of the last five. I'm not very good at math. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it was the kind of match today where that question—that's kind of a redundant question—but it tells you so much about the qualities of a player. Who do you want playing for your life? He is the most clutch player that I've seen. More than Rafa, I think I would put Rafa at the. You know, if you could create the conditions for that, you'd want Rafa at Roland Garros. But if it was any random tennis match on any random court, Djokovic, I think's your man now. Because the, the, way, the
1: way he hits out when he's when his nerve when when he's on the brink of defeat, he is, and he, is incredible. And
2: he, he has that degree of safety built into his game that allows him to hit out as you said and not risk missing and yet he can also do that thing of just refusing to miss and hitting with a maddening length and a maddening depth and just saying you're going to have to try and get the ball past me and I'm and you're not going to do that because I'm a better mover than you and I'm not going to miss a ball and it it creates this question in your mind how do you beat this guy when he's when he's in that mode and he didn't he wasn't in that mode for a lot of the match today but he was when he absolutely needed to be
1: yeah yeah, quite, quite extraordinary. A um, c- couple of other things on, on him. One is, I, I still struggle with looking out into the crowd um, and seeing in that final set him hitting winners, good shots, and row upon row of spectators just sitting on their hands, not even giving him a round of applause. And I just thought, I think that's really sad in a way. Um, I, I mean, you know, you, you can't tell people who to like and who not to like but <laughs> come on it's not very sporting is it
3: I really don't know where to come down on this because there really is a difference between like and respect and, the, and you've got no right to be liked and, and those
1: no, I, I don't say you have but
3: those, those scenarios bring out I mean the, the strength of emotion I mean, I, I, I was cheering for Ben Stokes today, <laughs> like I, I, like he was a family member. I, I mean, and I just couldn't ever have thought about doing that. Um, and w- so, would you would you expect Roger Federer's players' box to applaud the? Winners of Novak Djokovic, for example. I Roger, know that's an extreme. Uh, Novak example.
1: Djokovic was applauding shots of his opponent today.
3: That's different. Would you expect Roger Federer's players' box to uh, applaud Djokovic's winners? Because that is the strength of opinion that extreme sporting situations with partisan crowds, it brings that out. You feel like yeah. they're a member of your family. It does, mm-hmm. and I, and I, provided the crowd are respectful, and then I'd. I do draw the line at applauding mistakes. Yeah, I, mean, I, I draw the line at look, what happened. It, it wasn't US Open. It wasn't US Open And it wasn't actually 2014
1: Wimbledon either.
3: Personally, I think it was respectful. I think it was incredibly tough on Novak Djokovic. Mm. If it was me, I'd have fricking hated it. <laughs> and I understand why he hated it. But so long as it's respectful, I am o- I am okay with it. Because it's the strength of feeling that say, sport brings out it's in got people. got to
1: be one of the greatest qualities that any sports person's ever had to be able to win with that against them with that in that atmosphere to just it's kind of I suppose it's a little bit like a football team who goes away from home and mm. is a Manchester United and they're always the one that everybody wants to beat and you when they were at the best you know and, and they still go away and they still win doesn't matter how vociferous the, uh, the home supporters the only thing is they travel with their own support you know and now obviously Djokovic has, has a, a massive following of his own it's just a more niche following um, and, but there weren't many of them in there today um, and, and it's you know I just think it, I don't know how he does it I don't know how he wins when that's all going on I, I, I could not do that I mean I know I can't because I'm a rubbish tennis player but you know I don't know how he handles it I don't really know how he does.
3: But I do understand the the provocation and the desire to to prove people wrong.
1: Oh yeah, no, I I understand that too. I'm just amazed, it. I'm I am amazed by that ability. So on a more general sense, we now are closer in the gap between these four these three players, four slams between them, 20, 18 and 16 than we've ever been before. Which is, I mean, that there was a moment I think you put out a tweet, Matt, where you where you pointed out we're either at twenty one fifteen or twenty sixteen. I mean, and, we, and we've difference. we've got a tiebreak to determine this, mm. the difference if, between two slams but, for history. But in a way that that does feel
2: right that it's something so narrow that's going to decide where they all end up because mm. they've all been so close and at each other's heels the whole time. Um, but. Look, if Federer had won today, it, he'd have been six slams ahead of Djokovic. It would have taken Djokovic seven slams to overtake him. Bearing in mind Federer could also win more, it, it felt like to me that Djokovic winning seven more slams is a heck of a lot. And I don't—I'm not sure he would—he's he, able to do that. But now he's only four behind. Yeah, it, it changes—it changes the conversation completely. Um, and just on. Djokovic in in a way this this whole thing about him you know not quite getting the support of the others he needs to lose a few before he's going to get the support i think i think crowds do warm to players that lose Well, it becomes much, your
1: relatability line doesn't yeah, it absolutely
3: really. as, i i warmed to federer <laughs> when he started losing
2: and it, it, and it's always been this thing of oh he will get the support when federer and nadal Sort of leave the sport if they leave the sport before him, and yeah, I could see that happening as well. But you know, if, if he did, if he did start losing a few of these really tight, close battles, the way that we've spoken about Federer having lost so many of them in in his career, I think crowds crowds do warm to that. Look, I'm not not saying Djokovic should should be doing that at all. He wants he wants to win. He wants the records. But I think that is, I think crowds still see him as a kind of dominant force, and mm. that that is difficult to to relate to and warm to a little bit
3: on the subject of the the chase the chase and the race for the the grand slam total i was i was thinking about it today and i was making my notes for for post-final and thinking you know 2016 six six you know taking the dial out of the equation for a moment 20 to sixteen, six six years between them djokovic playing this extraordinary tennis still I just thought oh well, it's just an absolute absolute given that he'll track that down I mean how could he not but then he has been defined by chasing Federer yeah. and Nadal imagine that they're gone what is he? Who is he? Where does he find his motivation? I I, I can envisage a world, I, I can also envisage a world where, where he goes, Yippee, I can win grandson <laughs> titles even more easily. But I can envisage a world where he's a little bit bereft
1: Well, yeah. without them. We, we've heard what John McEnroe has said about Bjorn Borg in that respect in the past. I mean, I still think Federer and Nadal have probably got a bit left in them, you know, another mm. year or two maybe. But I think the, actually, just a salient a point and maybe even more important is that look what it's doing to Serena Williams trying to chase down a record. You know, at the moment, yeah. Novak Djokovic has kind of got these free hits where he's just he's younger than them, he's in form, he's racking them up, he's doing it at an incredible rate, and he's still not that close so that they're in touching distance where, where the, it's gonna be when it's the next one will draw you level imagine that and that's obviously we're a couple away from that um, but I could imagine a situation next year at some point if he were to get to 17 well, when the Roland
3: Arrows final against Nadal Well, suddenly so, next yeah, one will draw you level with Nadal
1: suddenly you start getting matches like that because and, and we had one for Nadal didn't we against Federer where if he wins that and then suddenly he's got a chance to get into 19 it, I'm sure it would change the mentality uh, going into a tournament. I mean, and we've seen, I think we've seen a, a pretty stressed-looking Djokovic over the last two weeks. And, and again, that's why this victory is, is so impressive, that he still did it. I, I mean, yes, it was, we're still in this position whereby, yet again, the bloke who didn't have to beat them both ends up winning it. Mm. Um, that's obviously a factor to consider. Uh, but I just, his stickability is, is, is amazing. I, I just wonder whether we may end up getting a... A Serena type situation when he gets ro- properly within touch and distance
2: but he's, he's going to have so many looks I think because he is so good on all the surfaces I think you know the next two slams are on hard court he is the best hard court player in the world and you have to say he's the best grass court player in the world he's beaten he's beaten Federer now in three Wimbledon finals and Wimbledon is actually the tournament where he's is the grand where he's got the most match wins. He's got the most. He's got as many Wimbledon titles now as Bjorn Borg, yeah. which no one really puts Djokovic in that category of grass court Wimbledon specialist. But he's just the bare facts are that he's so good everywhere. And yeah. if if Nadal is going to have a drop off at the French, okay, maybe Team would be most likely to step in. But you would put Djokovic right there with him. Whereas with Serena, it, it feels a little bit like the the Australian Open now, she kind of goes in so cold from not really playing at the end of the season. That is a difficult one for her now. The US Open, there's so much pressure, so much outside influence going on there. The clay is not going to be her favourite surface at this stage of her career and ever, really. So there's Wimbledon feels like Serena's best shot, whereas for Djokovic, it does feel like he's got just as good a shot at certainly three of the four
1: mm. tell you what i can't wait for the us open <laughs> <laughs> Crikey, yeah. us open's gonna be amazing isn't it
3: yeah and somebody pointed out on twitter yesterday i think i screenshotted this and sent it to the group that the only people that have muscled into the the big three over the last can't quite remember what period They've done it at the US Open.
2: Mm. Yes. Killich, Del Potro, yeah. Murray, Wawrinka have all got a US Open.
1: Yeah. And that, and Federer has had a rough time mm. there um, mm. the last couple of years. I can't remember what he did two years ago, but I mean...
2: He lost to Del Potro mm. in the yes. quarterfinal.
1: Um, and the, the Milman one was really jarring, wasn't it? But then, as you pointed out, I mean, he'd lost to Anderson, then he lost to Milman, then he loses to Tsitsipas. He's made some really good strides here. I mean, he's had a good year. Uh, he's won Absolutely. tournaments, um, and and he's now said he's not playing Montreal. He's going to play Cincinnati, and and it looked, hearing from him, like he really did need a break. Mm.
3: Yeah, he always favours Cincinnati over over Canada. He's he's one of the he's one of the. I mean, I've been to Cincinnati and I've really liked it. Best theme park I've ever been to. Um, but most players favour favour Canada <laughs> over Cincinnati because it's sort of in the middle, of nowhere. It's, it's not even in Cincinnati. It's in Mason, Ohio. And it, but Federer loves it. He always gets a, a house there with his family. And his kids were selling lemonade, weren't they, on the oh, yes. on the front drive last year. He, he's always. I don't find that. That's that. Sort of, oh, shockwaves! Federer is not going to play Canada. He's going to
1: no. That's, you know, no. It's just uh, he obviously needs a break. Uh, and and he looking at him on the court today. Uh, they they do quite a lot of stuff with the players, and the, you know, there's all, all all the formalities. He looked so crushed out there today. Wow. Um, and he was a you know, total gent about it but it was noticeable that there was there was really no interaction between him and Djokovic really when they had their respective trophies walking about and stuff like that it's awkward, I mean look, there's no getting away from it it's awkward when you're out there and one of you is crushed and the other one is obviously chuffed to bits but doesn't want to just throw it in his face, you know, so he, they're trying to sort of stay out of each other's way until they can get into their own private spaces, it's difficult but no, this, this is going to hurt big time, um Right, what else has happened today? We've just had the women's final f- uh, in the doubles, f- finally. Because um, this, this was delayed from last night, wasn't it?
3: They, it was cancelled last night at about 9pm. We
2: and, were mid-podcast, I think, <laughs> weren't yeah. we? And because uh, Cabal and Farah were busy winning the men's doubles. And we, and we must know.
1: give them... A, that's the first ever win, isn't it, Cabal and Farah at Wimbledon? Hmm. And uh, I think they're the first Colombian... Team to ever to ever win it, and they won it six seven seven six seven six six seven six three. Um, it's the best part of five hours, is not it?
3: And if you have four hours fifty seven <laughs> minutes, any interest in knowing what doubles means to to the players involved in it? Just look at a few of the pictures yeah. from uh, the latter stages of of that final, from from some? the the winning moments of that final, because they, I mean. Boy, do they tell and, a story!
2: And Mahu got hit three times. I think we <laughs> did. We speak about the eye. We, we, we
1: spoke about the eye. Got another one in the
2: jewels. Yeah, and um, another one to sort of yeah somewhere else. Um, yeah. And he he just put his body on the line and oh, did not come away with tough. the title.
1: it's crushing, really tough. Um, but anyway, and then um, the the women's doubles had to follow um, this epic of a, of a of a singles final <laughs> uh, on the men's side so eventually Shea Sué and Barbara Stritzeva and Dubrovsky De- and Zhu got out onto court and it was won by Shea and Stritzeva they won 6-2, 6-4 congratulations to them world number one now is Barbara Stritzeva in the doubles isn't that cool?
3: it's a nice story yeah. very nice really story
1: nice. Uh, mixed doubles sorry Yelena Rostopenko fans uh, she lost 6-2, 6-3 with Robert Lindstedt against doddick and chan so just just going back to the
2: how we felt about the final set tiebreak. break it it did feel a bit weird to me today to to have a final set tiebreak break at that point um because my understanding of why they introduced the rule really is so that the, tourna- the tournament schedule can kind of carry on on time in a way and obviously with a final it, it does feel a bit weird having that but then obviously you do have these doubles matches that you have to complete as well but...
1: Pat Cash did say he, he thinks they shouldn't have it in the final they should have it elsewhere in the tournament mm, I, I,
2: it, it just felt a bit strange to me having a tie break at that point because
3: It feels a little bit arbitrary doesn't it? Yeah you're So you accept the need for a tie break so why not Six all. I mean, I don't. I don't feel strongly about it. No. To really object. I mean, it was, it was fine. I the, just don't. There any strong argument and, for that and, as and, opposed to any other option. It
2: was nice that you know, uh, as you were saying, David. A lot of the drama in that fifth set did happen between six all and twelve twelve all. Yeah. We we did get a lot of good tennis in that period, but maybe we would have had that good tennis earlier on in the set if they hadn't known they would having a tiebreak at six all. I think it just. It feels like they've introduced the rule for John Isner. I'm sorry, but it does. You know, he he, he has played about 15 percent of the matches at Wimbledon that have reached 12 all in the last 20 years, and it just feels like such a big rule change to make yeah. for, uh, for John Isner.
3: For John Isner. <laughs>
1: Good old John. Um, yeah, uh, it's I, and the thing is, I think the thing is that it wasn't that great a tiebreak. No. I think if it had yeah. turned into a great tiebreak, we might have felt differently about yeah, it. really um, true. Yep. But there we are. You know, congratulations to Novak Djokovic, who's won a, a 16th Grand Slam title, a fifth Wimbledon. Um, and it was it was a privilege to watch it. It really was. Um, and I think, folks, that's about it for Wimbledon 2019. Have I missed anything else?
3: No, do you think Federer is on the beers with the New Zealand cricket team? Well, actually,
1: Greg Rosetsky walked past in our commentary box, and he just said, "You know, if I'm Roger Federer tonight, I'm getting wasted." Greg
3: <laughs> Rosetsky said he that. Did, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is so that the Greg, you know, <laughs> Greg's saying it's a that, a new
3: side of Greg. So yeah, he's up Yikes. for it. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I just, uh, but you know, I could, I could imagine just thinking, yeah, I need a sort of lose myself in a couple of beers which i've done anyway (laughs) (laughs) i didn't even play see
3: barker asked him on the court you know oh now you get to go back to being a dad and he sort of he did hesitate he said yeah yeah go back and it did look i I could i could if i wanted to i could definitely read into his response as sort of yeah but i'm gonna get on the beers first (laughs) dad tomorrow beers now
2: well she said it's a match we'll never forget and he said I'm going to try and forget
3: it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, those interviews are impossible. Mm. I mean, I know, I've spoken yeah. to her about them, and she said it isn't. It's not easy to do them. And but
3: she does. Like, I think she does as good a job as anyone, and the players respond to her yeah, as well they as do, yeah. they. They definitely have a, a warmth. Um, it is the only slammer where they don't just give the players yeah. the mic. And yeah. for me, I would prefer that. And that's nothing to do with Sue Barker. She really does do it great. Yeah. But just give them
1: the mic. Yeah, I know what you mean. Talking of warmth. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bit, it's a bit nippy out here. We've, we've had a lovely week of weather at Wimbledon this year, but I tell the you, the weather
3: is reflecting the day.
1: Yeah, uh, at the moment, the weather is doing something dramatic. We are, I mean, we we can still see a bit of blue sky up above and a bit of orange in the distance where the sun is setting. It's a dusky um, pink. It is, but the moon now is a full lit moon in the distance. It looks absolutely beautiful. But we are the only people now overlooking henman hill it is deserted suddenly as is court 18 as is basically the whole of wimbledon because we're at the end folks and so there's just matt and catherine and me sitting around a little picnic table with our virtually finished beers on the final night of wimbledon 2019 where all the matches have been played and we are not going to be coming back here for another year Um, so with that uh, i'd like to thank catherine for, for all of her contributions to the podcast over the course of the fortnight it's been lovely to, to have us all together, it's been good hasn't it? <laughs> Is my Iceland story
3: going to get edited out? No, that's,
1: that's <laughs> highlight stuff, that. I tell you, that's going to be entered into the British tennis, the British uh, <laughs> podcast awards, that one. Um, that is
3: soon to be not award-winning podcast. Loved it. Podcasting.
1: Yeah, because nothing that we do wins awards. Uh, <laughs> and Matt Roberts, we are so proud of you uh, for everything you've been doing over the last few months on the podcast and, and all your contributions on social media. You have made this show better and we love having you on it.
2: I love being on it. Thank you. Thank you
1: uh, for allowing me to come on it. (laughs) More to come, folks. More to come. We're going to be back uh, next week with a listener questions special. uh, And then another one the week afterwards, (laughs) because we've already done them. And they're really good. So make sure you get downloading them. They have been uh, guest edited by one of our Kickstarter backers, um, Alex... Tell us. I always get Matt to say that because I don't know how to say it, uh, Alex, no offence uh, who is the owner of Rio with a Y uh, the lovely dog who is our mascot this year, as I, get, as I get cramp oh,
3: just at oh, the
1: moment no. time uh, it's alright, i ok now do you need ice? <laughs> <laughs> dogs Matt
3: can get you eyes for a fiver
1: <laughs> I genuinely got cramp and almost <laughs> fell off the, the bench just then um, and, uh, and so we'll be back with two more shows and then we'll be into Montreal and Cincinnati You're
3: falling I, at the final hurdle I just stretch my
1: leg oh, i right now <laughs> Uh, and then we'll be back with daily episodes at the US Open Um, you can't get rid of us that easily folks we've got loads more to come as well we're doing more in the autumn and then in December we will be kickstarting 2020 which we want to be even better than ever if we can we've got our newsletter every week and daily at the slams so make sure you sign up to that if you just uh, scroll down on your phone uh, where you're listening to this podcast right now you'll be able to see the link and a link if you would like a reminder on December the 1st it's only a single email but just in case you want to help Back the podcast in 2020 uh, we, we do it once a year in December just so that we can build a budget and and produce as many of these things as we can and send Matt all over the world being part of the tennis podcast it's good isn't it Hooray! Yay. <laughs> uh, so, so that's what it's all about but listen thanks for listening thanks for supporting us we've had so many nice messages over the course of the last couple of weeks and, and people coming up to us and saying really nice things and it, it's, it's, it's really appreciated uh, and we will be back so
0: Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com
2: work. Shopify.com work.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.